What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. My name is Mackin, and this show is called Happy Sad Talk Thing. It has been a little bit of while. <laughs> it's been a little while. I suppose it, it might also be correct to say it's been a little bit of while. I, those are kind of the same. <laughs> but one sounds so incredibly wrong. Um, isn't that funny when you just turn, like, when there's, like, a sort of an expression... <laughs> That it that doesn't seem strange, but you sort of like switch it slightly, and then it just sounds so incredibly wrong. Anyways, none of that matters. There's pressing shit to get to, ladies and gents. Uh this is an extremely ex- special, ex- special. That's not a word. Good God, where is my mind today? Um, this is an extremely special episode of the podcast. Jesus fucking Christ, Mac, and get your shit together. It's almost like you can't edit this. <laughs> It's, it's almost like you're just kind of doing one pass at this intro. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, um, this is a fucking great episode because I got back from tour recently, and uh, I want to tell you all about it. And um, this, uh, I'm also going to be including in this episode a bunch of recordings of a concert I had in my apartment. It was the first live happy, sad talk thing. Um, and I had three of my favorite people in the world who are also incredible songwriters and three of my favorite songwriters, coincidentally, perform, and then I performed, and it was, uh, it was a flippin' good time, and I'm super glad that we were rolling that whole night, because it was a magical evening. Um, yeah, so I'll be kind of cutting back and forth between those two things. Um, but I want to tell you about the tour and shit, so... Anyways, here's um here's the theme song for uh the episode, but uh we actually sang the theme song at the show. So I'm going to uh, we're going to play that for you now. Uh welcome to this episode, guys. This is a, this is a big one. This is a fun one. I hope everybody's doing well. Um I'm not, you know, I, I normally talk here for a while, but there's there's the stuff to get to. I know some of you are probably thinking he's already been talking for a while. Was is this a light version? Yes, this is a light version. Normally I ramble on about my mother and vegetables and uh, Buddhism and uh, how I can't get laid. Anyways, here's the episode. Hooray! Hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for coming to the show. Um, this is the 13th show on my tour called the Mac and Has No Friends Tour. And it's uh, been the 13th show in 15 days. Also, if everybody's cool with it, this is going to be my first like live podcast. So, yeah. yeah. So, this will be, be on the podcast, which is cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have waivers. All of you have to sign. I hope that's okay. But um, <laughs> but thanks for being here. I love all of you so much. I've had more beers than I usually have before I start singing. So if it's cool, uh, I wanted to sing the my podcast theme song, and uh, I had to teach it to you guys all real quick. It just goes, happy sad talk thing. Happy sad talk thing. And then it says does that twice, and then the next lyric is, I don't know anything. I'm just happy and sad and stuff. So I thought we could all sing it really quick. You guys down? Yeah. Fuck it. Happy sad talk thing. 
that was fun. That was a fun time. Just to set the stage for you guys, we were all uh, sitting in my apartment. I had like put a bunch of tapestries up and blankets on the walls and stuff and blankets on the floor as well. So it was, it was kind of like a big fort and we were all kind of sitting on the ground. There were like candles and Christmas lights and incense and, and beers and friendship. And it was, uh, it was a grand old time. Um, but yeah, I want to tell you guys about the tour I went on. It was so fucking fun. I went, uh, up to Seattle and back with my good buddy, Derek accompanying me. Um, and I did 13 shows in 15 days, man. I put, I put 5,000 miles on the Toyota. I know what some of you are thinking. Mackin, <laughs> Seattle is a mere 1,000 miles away. That's, you should have maybe put 2,000 miles on your car. And to you, I say... Correct. Good knowledge of geography. Good approximate knowledge. I think it's a little more than a thousand miles. Anyways, I booked the entire tour myself, so I did a little bit of zigzagging. And uh, let me tell you, I learned how uh, how far Seattle is <laughs> from where we are. Very, very much the hard way. Um, yeah, I, I have a little diary that I kept just to remind me of what shows were on what days. Because when you're on the road, it just all blends together. Um, but yeah, what a fucking fun time this was, everybody. Uh, it was the Mac and Has No Friends tour. And um, it started out, basically, I was going to go visit my friend in Eugene, Oregon, my friend Jake Stanford. And this guy reached out to me named Aaron, who owns a microbrewery in a town called Cambria, which is just outside of San Luis Obispo. And he said he, saw, he came across my name on the internet of like, up-and-coming L.A. performers. He came across my name on the internet of, like, really strong guys that are good at poetry and, like, strong physically. And and he reached out to me, and he was like, you should play a show at my at my microbrewery. And I was like, sounds dope. Uh, and he was like, oh, great. How much money do you want? And I was like, what the fuck? I've never been asked this question ever. Um, so we, like, you know, we agreed on a, on a fee. And um, I was like, fuck, wait a minute. <laughs> This could be really cool. What if I went up to see Jake and I played shows along the way? Um, and then I had some friends that were going on tour. Um, Katie Gavin and, and the Muna peeps were all going on tour. And um, Truesdale, another friendship USC band, was like going on tour. And um, I was like, that sounds like something I want to do. <laughs> so this entire thing was spawned of jealousy and um so i was like all right what is the minimum amount of shows <laughs> i can book and call it a tour um and so i thought I, th I thought maybe three but i don't think anybody would think that that's a tour i mean technically you're touring who knows that's an int that, it's like an ep like how many songs people are we calling eps these days because it's getting fucking out of hand i grew up with the way weird understanding that it was three to five songs and now these people come out with these like nine song EPs and I'm just like, the fuck is this? This is an album. This is a short album. Who cares? No one cares. Anyways. So I started booking shows. You know, I started reaching out to people. Um, I, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not signed. I'm not a signed person. I have no booking agent or anything of the sort. Um, it's just, just a guy with a guitar that wanted to play some shows. Um, that I've never been on a tour before. And so I uh, was, you know, I was the booking agent and the tour manager <laughs> and the 
driver and all I was all of the things and uh that is like comes with pros and cons I it was extremely fun and because I got to like be involved in every step of the process and kind of des- design it and tailor make it you know how I want to do it and I could also like you know someone's like hey can you be here at six I could be like yes <laughs> you know and it's kind of nice uh being an independent artist because I could do shit like on the fly and um like i didn't have to pay anybody else which was pretty cool um anyway so i start reaching out to friends i put the word out um you know different people uh i i knew i know some people from school that played some music in san francisco and uh i think i had some friends in oregon so i was like oh, i'll reach out to some people i went to you know music camp with years ago and man like people were so into the idea and like some people like really went to work for me like particularly my grandpa so shouts out to grandpa jim who we'll meet later again in the story <laughs> um because they my grandparents live up in seattle um my grandpa jim and my step grandma pam named jim and pam anybody fans of the office i think that that's mind-blowing that that's their name i tell that to people and they're mildly impressed i think that that's unbelievable anyways um my grandpa was like super nice and started booking shit for me and like he got a street performing license so i could perform at the pike place market in seattle and like he is the man um anyway yeah so it was uh it was heartwarming and uh it was also an incredible use of the tool facebook i i think of facebook in such a negative way most of the time um as just like a waste of a waste of energy and like adding you know uh tension in my life and just me looking at other people doing shit and just you know i I really go on facebook and i'm like oh fucking yeah man so that was such a good time on facebook (laughs) you know um i'm getting better i recently deleted 1300 friends that is not an exaggeration that was the other day that was shocking um anyways uh but i i kind of put the word out on facebook and a couple things and like, this whole th- thing wouldn't have happened without Facebook. So, um, check it out, guys. Facebook.com. Uh, yeah, that's, that's who sponsored this episode. Up and coming company. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, tour's happening. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm like... and I was, like, trying to book, like, you know, five or six shows. It ended up becoming 13 shows. And then I ended up <laughs> playing two shows the next week. Um, so I I played 15 shows in the month of July with pretty much in like a, you know, two ish week time span, but the tour itself was pretty much 13 shows in 15 days. Um, and the reason I ended up doing a bunch of zigzagging, uh, like this happens anytime, like I have a party, let's say I'll have a party at my house, um, or my, uh, my apartment, and uh, I'll say, I'll invite, like, let's say I invite 15 people, and I tell them to come over at 9. And then it's like 9, 10, and like two or three people are there, and then I'm like, no one's going to come. And then I, like, text everyone in my phone. And then by 10, there's way too many people in my apartment, and it's a disaster. This has happened many times, because last minute I get very insecure. Um, so this happened with the tour. I was like, oh, no one's going to have any shows. Um, so I... <laughs> I kind of overbooked it and I kind of just started saying yes to like everyone that wanted to book a show. Um, and I, I just drastically underestimated what driving a thousand miles feels like. Um, because (laughs) there were many nights where I was just like, 
there's one drive in particular from this town, Cambria, uh, where I went when I was my first show out of town to uh, up to Seattle. It was like a thousand miles <laughs> in a night. It was fucking insane. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, so I, I really learned how uh, far distances are. We, they feel, you know. Anyways, so tour fucking it all gets booked. I'm like, I'm going. Here we go. I asked my friend Derek to come with me. Um, I print up a bunch of CDs. My friend Derek's going to help film, and he also like plays and sings, and so he's going to maybe play some songs along the way. We're going to figure it out. Who knows? We're, we're, we're having an adventure. He's a, a longtime friend of mine. I'm trying to get him on this podcast, but he's a, he's a mysterious guy. I think he likes to remain mysterious. Um, but he's one of my best friends, man. He, he's, uh, he's like a Reddit guy, you know? <laughs> Everybody needs to know a Reddit guy, that one guy that knows a shit ton about Reddit and just, like, can delight you with wonderful information. <laughs> um, and we both, you know, we went to high school together. We have, like, almost identical tastes in music. And, like, he's just makes me laugh more than anyone in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what a delightful travel companion he was. Um, Anyways, first show is at the Hotel Cafe in on um, the second stage in LA. And um you know not too many people came and I think like I was a little cuz like I like to be like funny, quote unquote, on stage and like transparent and neurotic and whatever. Um cuz like a lot of my favorite performers are like also great like just like speakers and just say interesting cool shit like I talk about Father John Missy nonstop on this podcast, you know. He he comes out for his encore and we'll just take questions and we'll just sort of talk, <laughs> you know. So I, I'm like, you know, always trying to be funny or uh, spontaneous or say something, you know, interesting on stage. And I, uh, I was just, <laughs> you know, I would be like, hey, thanks for coming, Mom. You know, because my mom was in the front row. There was like, there's maybe seven people in the room, um, four of which I think were there intentionally to see me. And then there was Derek, and then there was, like, you know, the bar people, and then the next act. And then, Anyways, I wasn't like, fuck you guys, because no one came, and I didn't promote the show well enough. <laughs> but I felt like, I was like, oh, I maybe brought it up too many times, the fact that there were no many people in the room trying to be self-effacing and funny. Anyways, I learned that lesson real quick, not to do that, because it's like, not their fucking fault you know what i'm saying and they they paid money to see me that's incredible you know what i'm saying ten dollars and an hour of their time probably more to park and shit like that that's a sacred relationship anyways um but i was surprised because i after the show my friend alex pacino who's been on this podcast and produced some shit for me um some shit my only recorded music <laughs> as a solo artist <laughs> um was like man I, I he's like i appreciated how seriously you took the show i feel like a lot of people would kind of n- turn it into a joke at some point and uh, which is so weird because i was just like so in my head <laughs> you know and it just I, i'm so heady as a person and often my perception of events will be radically different from other people's perception of events and that was a perfect case of where i, where I thought i was like being rude and my friend Alex was like, wow, that's like, he's like, I loved how you handled that. And I was just like, oh, amazing. <laughs> I've also played to rooms with like less than seven people in it. I once played to zero people at a, at a <laughs> someone's like 65th birthday party. I was in this kind of like garage bluesy punk band in high school. 
and um we were i got hired to play some random ass party and like they no one wanted to listen to us we were like raucous and we would just you know we would play like 20 minute versions of white stripes songs and you know we would just jam and oh it was we just played pretty much to our girlfriends in the corner (laughs) i don't think they were there this night though this was someone's birthday and uh the guy who had hired us was this creepy old guy who was like hitting on us and it was so strange. <laughs> it, it, it was like a long hallway-shaped room with like two kind of rooms at either end, and everybody was on the other end of the room. Anyways, basically, I, I've played to less people, and I've played to more people. Um, but anyways, so it was a solid first show, you know what I'm saying? Working out some new material and stuff like that. Um, I started doing like a Joni Mitchell song on stage, and I, I just had some new stuff to work out. So it was really fun. The next night, I was in Newport Beach, I, uh, a bunch of people, like, fucking came. I was super stoked. A bunch of my high school friends. A bunch of teachers from my, uh, elementary school were there who I hadn't seen in years. I thought that was super fucking dope. Um, and playing mostly two-hour sets and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. It was super fun, man. Um, so there's, like, some filler in a two-hour set. (laughs) You know, it's not just two hours of straight bangers. Um, but it was super fun, super fun, man. Made some some cash money in tips and shit. And, uh, yeah, it was a super dope night. Um, and then uh, the next night I played, like, a house party at my friend Julie's house. Oh, and by the way, the one thing, I was, yeah, after this uh, show at the Blue Beat, my friend Sarah was there, and she started talking to me about, like, all these, like, kind of serious health issues that she was going through, you know? And this was kind of like a theme of the tour. Like, people would come up to me, and, like, we would have these kind of real heavy conversations after shows sometimes, you know? Sometimes they were friends, and sometimes they were strangers. It was it was very interesting. Um, yeah, and obviously, like, my you know, my heart goes out to my friend Sarah, who's having some, some health issues right now. But, uh, I mean, a, a singer-songwriter set is a very intimate exchange, you know what I'm saying? And even though I'm the one that's sort of, like, offering, you know songs and whatnot like you you do get like you do need the crowd to be vulnerable with you you know what i'm saying in order to get to that space where there can kind of be a, a cathartic exchange if you will you know and um and it's cool sometimes when it leads to like people extending that vulnerability after the show you know what i'm saying that's something i always really appreciate and, and take as like an accomplishment you know as like oh i was able to to connect you know get to this space um, cause often I will <laughs> bottle up immediately after a show, you know what I'm saying? And just become like, oh, hey, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. You know? Um, anyways, third show, Julie's house. Uh, my friend, Julie from high school, all my high school friends are there. I get to play a 45 minute set, which is dope. I just get to play like the fun songs. Cause like on this tour, sometimes I'm playing to like a big bar full of people of all ages and like a lot of family friends. And so I kind of have to play a certain type of set, you know, where I'm, like, more of, like, the folk singer dude. And um, this was fun because it was, like, all my friends who were my age who kind of, like, listened to the music I listened to. So I got to kind of be a little, like, quirkier and, like, a little more eclectic and, like, a little more strange, you know. And so that was super fun. Um, And I had gone to a Black Lives Matter rally that day, um, which isn't. I'm not going to, this is, this is already the longest podcast of all time, (laughs) so I won't, uh, 
share all of my thoughts on that matter, but this was kind of right in the middle of like a lot of the shootings that had happened. Um, this was, I think, right after Alton Sterling, and like it was right before I think that like policemen started to be shot, and um, it was a while. It's been a, it's taken me a while to get this podcast out. I apologize um, <laughs> to no one because. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's just free. Fuck anyone. And probably no one's listening anyways. But um, so it was a heavy day. And I was t- I was talking about that day um, during my set. And I was kind of just like, basically, what I said was like, I'm so confused about race. But like, I, I want to have more conversations about it. Because it seems to me that that's the only way that shit changes is if we talk about it, you know. And uh, that, you know that what was things that were happening were super fucked. I wasn't taking like a super hard political stance against like, you know, the police or something, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously nobody should die. Anyways, what I'm trying to say was that I was, I was trying to, I was kind of opening a thread for the evening of kind of an awkward, really, really, really hot (laughs) button issue. You know what I'm saying? Um, because I've been feeling very powerless recently in the, uh, conversation of race as a white person and like that's kind of what I was talking about and then I was like what I was then I was like no fuck that like my role isn't just to you know shut my eyes and and shut my mouth and not talk and just you know let things happen like I don't know I was just like we can have conversations and 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 you know try to bring some understanding to people and for me to learn more you know um and it was a super dope set, and it was, like, very intimate, and we were just, like, sitting on the floor in the kitchen, and I was playing the guitar. I set up the whole PA, but I was like, fuck this, and I just stood in front of it, because I was like, well, you guys are right here. <laughs> um, my friend Shelby sang with me. Derek sang a few songs. It was, like, really fucking great. I saw a guy named uh, Dan P., who used to open up, or still opens up for Streetlight Manifesto, do a living room tour, because we did a whole tour across the country. Um, maybe even international, I don't know. But he just played in different living rooms, and it was just same thing. One guy and a guitar, and uh, you know, he would go, he would just play at people's houses, you know. And that's like, I don't know. It was so inspiring because the show was so fucking great, and it felt so intimate, and it was so different and awesome and cool, and like something I often think about, you know. And this is just a guy just fucking doing it on his own, and that's like super badass. So, um, he also makes great records. So check out Dan P or Dan P and the Bricks. Um, anyway, so it was a great show, but there was like, <laughs> we were all kind of hanging out, like kind of partying afterwards or whatever. And like, I just got into some conversations that like didn't go. They weren't like super healthy exchanges <laughs> of ideas, you know, and they were just like, there was some tension, you know, and, and uh, there's some people of different ages there from different generations. And I was just like, I felt almost like I did a bad thing. <laughs> You know, like conversation's good, yes, but you have to go in it with the right intentions and, and maybe it wasn't the place, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is all, you know, people trying to have a good time, <laughs> hang out, you know, and like I'm trying to have <laughs> difficult conversations at a, at, a, at, a, at a place of relaxation and joy. I'm a guest in this home. These people have opened their home to me so I can have my little fucking concert thing. So anyways, I was just like, and I, and a couple of weeks later, I got in a fight with someone I was very close to over some political stuff, and it was nasty, you know. And we walked away with hurt feelings and clo- more closed minds than open minds with new ideas, you know, which is the goal. 
And so I was, anyways, that kind of fucked me up for a little bit. I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I, you know, I got to rethink this whole, let's have conversations about all this stuff all the time. You know, I think there has to just be more tact. I don't know if I was the most tactful that evening about approaching certain things, you know. But I couldn't help it. It was on my fucking mind, man. <laughs> you know, wh- one moment I'm in downtown L.A. on the street, like, uh, marching, you know. <laughs> like, but being like, wow, this is this is undeniably real at this point, you know. And next minute I'm in a cushy, like, Orange County home with, like, mostly white people listening to Kendrick Lamar, but not in fr- from a social justice perspective, from, like, a let's get fucked up perspective. And I was just like, this is... <laughs> Can I just comment on how strange this is? I don't know. I love Kendrick. I'm not trying to say you can't listen to Kendrick just to have a good time. But I was just like, yo, let's talk about race. (laughs) Anyways, music tour. Anyway, so the next day I leave on the actual tour. We go to Cambria. The guy there, Aaron, who started the whole thing, was like, I totally forgot you guys were coming because I had booked the show in March. It was now July. (laughs) And I had not followed up because I'm learning. Um, and uh, he was like, fuck, I feel so bad. <laughs> and I was like, dude, no worries. I have a free day on my way down. Can we do it then? And he was like, totally. Also, here's some free beer. Also, no, not also anything. Gave us a free beer, wished us on our merry way, felt bad. I was like, don't feel bad. I feel bad. I miscommunication. LOL. We go around the corner to have a pizza pizza. Derek and I, and he texts me, and he's like, yo, dude, the folk singer that was supposed to play at the steakhouse down the street totally fucking bailed. And so I was like, oh, shit. And he's like, can you play right now? And I was like, yeah, job over there. So I got an extra show out of the deal. So we rescheduled the show that was canceled, and I got an extra show. And met a bunch of super dope people, played at a steakhouse. It was great. Um, and this, and so it was a great show. You know, I, I didn't, I was, I got some extra cash that I wasn't planning on, so that was super dope. Um, this is the first show out of town, and uh, this was the first show to, like, complete strangers, you know, and, uh, it worked, you know what I'm saying, like, I was just, like, so, I mean, I, I play a lot of music, but there's usually a lot of friendly faces in the cl- in the crowd, you know, and so it was cool to be like, oh, man, you know, these are, these were mo- mostly, like, middle-aged, kind of, like, Northern California-type people, you know, um, who were just, like, very nice and open-minded and music fans, but, like, seemingly, like, sophisticated and cool. It was great. And they were all patient and lovely. And um, and there was this one woman who was, like, really, really paying close attention. And at the end of the night, everybody had kind of cleared out, and it was just me and her and Derek in the room. And I started to play a Bob Dylan song, and she was, like, crying. And she, like, asked me to stop. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, are you all right? And then we started talking, and apparently her... Both of her parents had recently passed away. This woman's maybe in her mid-40s or 50s. and she, Apparently, they owned the restaurant, and they would, like, play Bob Dylan all the time. And, uh, and then she started showing me pictures of her, like, newborn niece. And uh, it was just, I mean, it was another one of those, like, very vulnerable conversations where it was just like, you know, I, I, I actually never got the woman's name, you know. Um, I've, it was, I felt, it was interesting, you know. It obviously wasn't, like, awesome, you know. <laughs> like, I, I just, listening to her, like, feeling her pain was, you know, it was intense. But I also felt somewhat grateful that she, like, 
felt like she could open up to me, you know? Weird. Um, she was also kind of drunk and like kind of heckling through the night. Um, but it was interesting sort of thinking of her as a heckler the whole night, you know, be selfishly assuming that <laughs> no one has problems, you know? And then at the end of the night being like, oh my God, this woman is in unimaginable pain right now, you know? That's just another reminder that everybody's <laughs> everybody's doing their fucking best, man. And everybody's going through shit. Um, anyways, we we got uh, free steaks that night because it was a steakhouse. Um, and so we... Uh, <laughs> this is the drive. This is the drive to Seattle. This is the horrible fucking drive. that. And I feel so bad because I booked this whole tour and Derek didn't really know what he was getting in for. And he was just... So I'm like, you know... Basically, the plan is to drive from Cambria, which is San Luis Obispo, essentially, to Seattle. Like, because we have nowhere to sleep in Cambria. You know, I didn't want to pay for a hotel. I was trying to save by staying with friends. And I booked a show in Seattle the next night. So we left at 11 p.m. We had (laughs) steaks in styrofoam boxes and monster energy drinks. And we started driving. We started a 16-hour drive without stopping. And it was fucking brutal. Um, so we're, you know, it's like three in the morning. We're going too fast on the I-5. <laughs> like, eating eating steaks with our hands and drinking Monster Energy drinks. Like the contrast was just hilarious. You know, we're getting the royal treatment all of a sudden. And now we're like <laughs> sitting in our sweat and farts, you know, listening to podcasts at three in the morning or whatever. Um but the sun was coming up right as we were going through Oregon, which was fucking beautiful. Um, and we drove right through <laughs> to Seattle, <laughs> Washington, you know. So we I, we got to my grandparents' house at about 5 p.m. the next day after straight driving. And uh, literally napped for like 30 minutes. And then I had to shower and go to the show. <laughs> um, yeah, so right now... Uh, We'll take a little break, and um, this is uh, so. This is uh, the first performance from of four from the uh, concert in my apartment from the last show of the tour. Um, so this is Alex Rosenblum, who was on episode three, I believe, of this podcast. Um, so he he shared a bunch of dope music with us, and it was super great. So here it is. Check it out. This, this song it was called the song Sight. The song is called Sight. <laughs> Honey drip lies numbing me blind. You were glistening. I see you looking barely listening You make an effort not to try Cutting every corner, rounding every edge To try to fit your face on mine Whisper through the keyhole blind 
have to learn to live with them again. That's more about my parents, actually. <laughs> Whoa, newcomers, okay. Check them out. Like that shirt. What's up, Jack? How you doing? Okay, my guitar's not loud enough. No, no, I got it. Yeah, because I was fucking with my amp earlier and it, I was feeding back. This song, I really need the lyrics. Okay. The song is called Vith Vile, and it's called Worthwhile. Thank you. 
If you need a reason, I can be it. I can say anything to help you raise a smile. Let me know the second on the record just to check off that you're feeling better for my file. I'll tell you everything I believe I can't perceive to be the reason that you're in denial. If you're feeling angry, anxious, hungry, constipated, I'll be waiting here a little while. It'll be worthwhile to keep me around. It'll be worthwhile to keep me around. If you can't believe in the legitimacy of what I see, it's because you're blind to my third eye. All your little problems, situations, agitations for me are different colored Tap into fragility, a facility You rarely see the ability to unleash a cry Be in every moment just to show that you were present A fake smile is a lie It'll be worthwhile to keep me around It'll be worthwhile to keep me songs have the lyrics in front of me cheating but thanks guys i don't know why i said that you know yeah now everyone they listen to 
It was a cheat. No, sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Here's a sad song. Making up my mind now Catch up to speed To see how I feel When I'm It's all over. 
so much. Um, how many more songs should I play, Macu? Uh, as many as you want, man. Have you done three? I've done three. Do you, do you want to do two more? Okay. Is that cool with everybody else? Yeah. 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 Give it all of God If you give me one more shot 
give it all I've got If you give me one more shot If you give me one more Thanks, guys. Mackin, thank you so much for having me tonight. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure. No, you're working. Thanks for thanks for having me. Let me just tune up really quick. songs wow it's my first time playing in a while it's a really high pressure environment I know it's like a bunch of friends it's like Ooh. This guitar is so wonky. It was given to me by, by my dad's friend named John Ziderman. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Ziderman. Exactly. Right? He's like, this is a great guitar. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I ended up just like loving this guitar. I don't know why. Didn't come with the Mario sticker on it, unfortunately. I had to put that on myself. Something's louder 
Beautiful stuff. Alex Rosenblum, man. He's got a record coming out called Blue Room. Check it out. Uh, Alex Bloom is actually his performer name. So Alex Rosenblum on the podcast and in life. But in music, Alex Bloom. Check that song, bitch, out. Anyways, last we met, I was uh, tired as fuck. <laughs> About to play this show in Redmond, Washington, actually, a suburb outside of uh, Seattle. And um, so tired. So fucking tired. Drained. This is this was the worst show by far. Um, zero sleep. We had just driven. Driving is so exhausting, by the way. Um, and I was just wet. I couldn't sleep in the car, so I just decided to drive most of the way to stay awake. Um, I, I couldn't sleep in the car. It was uh, anyway. I couldn't find a guitar pick. It was just you know, and it's this big, big coffee shop, and people are kind of doing their own thing, and there's a birthday party happening in the other room. Not the ideal sonic space, which hurts as a, as just an acoustic guitar player. It's like, man, the vibe of a room, you're like so vulnerable to it, you know? And so, but my grandparents came and some of my, uh, some of my, uh, just some family friends came, you know, like friends of aunts and uncles and stuff. And so I think there were like five or six people there to see me. And then there were like two or three people that were just chilling in the coffee shop, you know, they were like watching. And then the baristas were like, they were playing Elliot Smith and Neutral Milk Hotel when I walked in, and I was just like, yes, Northwest, fuck yeah. Because <laughs> I, do, I, I do an Elliot Smith song and a Neutral Milk Hotel song, and I was like, I'm going to blow their fucking minds. <laughs> no, but I was just like, D- yeah, like, hooray. Like, Northwest is uh, maybe more my crowd. Um, because nobody likes Neutral Milk Hotel in L.A. Let's be real. I'm the only one. Um, anyways, I'm so tired. But one thing that was really awesome was that, like, I found myself like kind of like becoming energized by the music, which was like really dope, you know, because like normally you're like, oh, I got to go do my job. And then it's like soul crushing or something <laughs> like, oh, I got to go do this work like bummer town. But like music is so fucking great because <laughs> I was like dead before and I was sort of like waking up as I was playing and singing, you know what I'm saying? And I, so it was like so fun to kind of like almost be nourished by the music, you know, which uh, which was unexpected and really and so i, I, I kind of ended up waking up and coming alive and it was it was all right like it was you know my grandparents were like oh what's amazing um that's how they both sound they both were speaking at the same time um and uh i'm you know the people that came to see me it was like cool for them but like compared to all of the other shows it was <laughs> it was it was bad you know i was so tired i didn't feel like a human being anyways you know, go to my grandparents' house, sleep, 
they have beds for us. They have showers. They have beautiful meals. So amazing. My grandparents, fucking rad as fuck. I also got to hang with my grandparents, which is like something I, I arguably have never done, you know? Like, I see them at family events. We spend a time together. But this was like hanging. You know, I had nothing to do in the daytimes. So, like, I just got to know them, you know? Uh, it's my grandfather, Jim, you know? He's, like, from Illinois. He, like like tried out for the nfl they like played football for a while you know he's like traveled all around the world they lived in japan for a year like fascinating dude and we were just kind of hanging out as adults you know and uh, so it's just interesting to kind of hear about his life and same with my grandma who's technically my step-grandma but she's very grandmotherly and has has played a very grandmotherly role in my life so i refer to her as um grandma you know and uh, she owns a, a gift basket making company you know and she's from Texas, she's just sweet as can be. They both are, and they're both so accommodating and so thrilled to have company, you know? So we were just, like, eating such good food and watching movies and talking. It was just really fun. And my grandmother, uh, incredibly sweetly, the next day was just like, Mackin, your songs are are kind of sad. They're so sad. Like, are you sad? <laughs> and... Uh, uh, anyways, I think I tell the story at the show, so I don't want to repeat that joke. But they were okay, apparently my grandparents were fucking bummed out <laughs> at the show, um, which is something I run into a lot, which I won't uh, speak too much about. But I think you know, I've talked about it on, with guests on this podcast. But bummer jams, man, they make me feel better. And I, but I think like whenever I play songs for my parents, they tend to be very bummed out afterwards because they're like oh no this is our son and he's expressing that he's in a lot of pain <laughs> um but I, you know I, I don't think i'm a sad person i did for many years but i don't know sad songs make me feel better you know and that's always been the role of music i guess in my life is more like just you know healing and stuff <laughs> you know like i like to have a good time and celebrate but i I don't have a hard time, I guess, like processing my happiness. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's it's unsettling to be happier. Like, what's gonna go wrong? You know, <laughs> being a self-destructive person. But like, I've always sort of used music to, I guess, deal with that shit. And um, you know, I don't know. I guess the emotion, like if you took the emotional picture painted by my songwriting catalog it would paint a miserable person <laughs> i don't know but it's also they don't really listen to the type of music i listen to you know and um i think from you know a, like at first glance they're bummer but i mean like it's not like all my songs are like the world fucking sucks so give up um, you know, there's, there's, there's hope and joy in there. And like the things that I just don't find sad that people that are maybe just like a little heavy or like emotional or like whatever, but not sad. I don't know. Anyways, weird stuff. Um, but that was something I ran into on the door, you know, just a consensus that I'm a sad person or I write sad songs, you know? Anyways. Um, so the next day I went to Pike Place Market to do some singing in the street uh, which was super fucking fun, by the way. Um, I, uh, it was fucking grand, you know? I, uh, my grandpa, like, got me the license. It was so great. I went, I met a blind man who had been playing there for, like, 10 years or something, and he was like, good luck, brother! 
and uh, I don't know like how it was amazing that he like he had an iPhone and and he's a total like sufficient like blind existence you know he got around and shit I was like whoa this, he didn't have a cane or a dog or anything you know blind folk singer like tr- truly like <laughs> you know out of a folk tale it was great um, he let me take his spot by the people that throw the fish I sang there for a while it was super dope and then I. I met a man who uh, balances guitars on his nose and and does hula hoops and uh, fucking Rubik's cubes and shit at the same time. And his name was Every and um, or Emery, excuse me. His name was Emery. And he was a fascinating guy. So I watched him do his act for a while. And it was amazing. This guy was like doing crazy shit, you know. And uh, he was packing up. So like how it works is like you know you ask someone like if they're done with the spot and then they tell you to like maybe wait like 10, 20 minutes depending or if anybody has a spot after them um, and then you like, you know, you can use the spot. It was kind of cool. Like for the day, I was like part of this street performer culture, you know, and there was so like he's packing up, I'm setting up and then people are walking by and they're like, hey, Emery, like how's how's this spot today? You know, and he's like, oh, it's a little slow. Like there's these people that know each other, you know, there was this like violin player who was like, Maybe he looked like 18 or 19 or something. And this Emory guy was like in his 30s, you know. And there was just just culture of people that had, you know, it was an ecosystem that I was encountering. And it was it was fucking cool, you know. Um, and I was just like, oh, yeah, we're from California. We know we're doing a tour. And uh, it, just, it just felt cool, you know. It felt cool to say. <laughs> because it was like something I just thought of in my head. I was like, I want to do this. And then, it start, and then it started happening, you know. It is very inspiring because I think of a lot of things that I never do. And uh, I guess I'm always, like, surprised to find out. It's just like, oh, you can just do shit. Like, you just think of it and you do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anyways, so I'm sitting on the street corner. I'm talking to this guy, Emery. He's a fascinating guy, you know? He's just, uh, like, he's just, he, he's just a classic dude. Like, he would just be like, balance, B, R, and C. <laughs> you know like spelling it out and like he just had little truisms like that all the time and he he would just say crazy shit he was he was like this really tall skinny white guy that was like had a shaved head and like a little beard and like a you know one of those like director hats <laughs> you know and he was so tall and he was just like man like <laughs> i was you know everybody tries to make people themselves you know they try to make people more why aren't you more like me man i've seen a world full of me's it ain't pretty there are no bridges and airplanes. <laughs> like he was just he was a he's a fucking character, man. And we were talking about uh you know just music and stuff. And it was really inspiring because at one point we were talking about how the tips were kind of slow that day. And he was telling me, like, yeah, Sundays are usually a little slower, which is the day I was there. And he said something like seemingly simple, but like pretty profound. You know, he was like, Man, if it was about the money we would clearly be doing something else, <laughs> you know? And uh, there are many times on the tour where, like, finances were, like, a problem or, like, oh, you know, I got to pay for gas, like, whatever. Or, like, oh, I didn't make as much money on this gig as I thought I was going to. Or, like, oh, it ended up being just as much to park as it was as we got in tips for busking, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I mean, I just kept thinking, like, yeah, if it was clearly about the the money here, like I would be in a different line of work <laughs> than freelance songwriting. <laughs> Folk singer uh, uh, isn't maybe the most fiscally 
rewarding financial enterprise. Um, so that was that was that was uh, good. Some some good knowledge from some some from some dude who'd been doing it a while. Apparently he'd been uh, busking for like thirteen years full time. That was crazy, man. Cool dude. Um, and I started making up songs on the spot <laughs> for people just to get their attention, you know. And I started singing about Pokemon Go because this is like right when it started happening. And there's a video on YouTube of me. If you do Mac and Carol Pokemon, it'll come up. Um, and, I, and then I started, and like everybody started looking up from their phones going like, I'm playing it. This was like, this was the week that it started because Derek, Reddit guy, on top of that shit, got me on it. So I knew a bunch of funny shit to say, like references to the game. And then I got this little crowd and then I made all these friends like from fucking Pokemon. It was beautiful especially all the dark stuff that was happening in the news like it was a it was a beautiful way like oh my god people are connecting this is great and then i sang a Nutramoko tells song with this guy that i just met from pokemon and like i've made some new friends added them on facebook wow it was a good time um and derek and i got you know uh some food went home super dope and um the next show was uh to a bunch of like my grandparents friends and like people at this coffee shop in um some other suburb of Washington I forget the name of the town um right outside of Seattle though um but it was this cool dude who had like I'd found him in Seattle um and he had this awesome coffee shop like cuz the 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 last show that we had played was that weird room. This was a fucking great room. It's all wooden. It's like it's packed. There are like 30, 40 people there to see me. I'm like super stoked. Um, and the show is just like great. Like I, this is like I had a full night rest. Like I was connected. Like people are like laughing at my dumbass jokes. <laughs> but once again, it's it's a it's kind of an older crowd, so I I had to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more like um, polite, I guess. Um, but it was, uh, but it worked, and I was like, "Fuck yeah," <laughs> you know. And um, I just, you know, I met some some family friends and people that uh, just said some really inspiring stuff, you know. And um, I don't know, there are a million reasons to hate yourself, you know. And so it's always really dope when people are saying like, "Keep doing this," <laughs> you know. Um, so that that was probably one of the cooler parts of the tour too. It was just seeing that people were like, "Hey, you're onto something." keep it up you know that was dope um yeah that was uh, that was a super cool show i take you now um to our second act of the uh concert portion of this podcast this is the wonderful rosie tucker who is on episode 16 of this podcast um and she plays a fucking beautiful set i have had this recording for a while on my phone and i have listened to this set there was a week or two, where I had to listen to it at least once a day because I was going through emotions, and they were. They, I just they, this was my this was my crux, you know. I, oh God, I'm, you guys are in for a treat. Here's Rosie Tucker. <laughs> Unlike Alex Rosenblum, I don't pander to people who can tell whether I'm out of tune or not. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> if you're really upset by what's going on, um, I guess you can maybe go take like a little walk or something. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
Sorry, I wish I could just, oh, first of all, Alex Rosenblum, beautiful songs. I've never heard so many of them. They're just gorgeous. I was so in love with all of them. Your, your approach to harmony and melody is really like always surprising. It's like, oh, he went there. Oh, oh, and it's never jarring, always, you know, fresh. Yeah. Um, This is a song that I wrote like a year ago, and I don't like the chorus, so I'm not gonna play it with the chorus. Um, <laughs> I like, I listen to a lot of Frankie Cosmo, Frankie Cosmos, oh my goodness. And um, she writes these super short songs that are amazing. And it's a great inspiration to be like, you can just write a verse and a bridge and be done. And you know, it can still be, um, you know, a song that is moving and interesting. And sometimes all you want is a little snack of a song and not a whole, you know, heart roller coaster journey four course meal. Um, yeah. I've never, I don't know if I've ever played this in front of people. I think I played it for one person one time and then I played it for Mackie one time, but I played it for somebody else one time and they were like, oh, cool song. And I was like, I'm never playing that again. <laughs> you weren't effusive enough. Um, anyway, okay. You are a poet. I read it in the way the mess you make is tender like your syllables arranged. I am an idiot. I dressed you up in idioms Like that's the end of it Our eyes turned from the page And the summer came Manhattan June We're playing Halloween Both my arms are lobster claws And all your skin is green I fled red-handed from the shop after that scene. Subways underfoot, the earth was pregnant with machine in a summer's dream. Solstice time, I was slumped up on a stoop. Punch drunk and stupid, shedding salt water for you. I met a stranger, her middle name was Zeus, and her dog, Pablo Neruda. They were both pretty damn cute. Oh, but I still think you're cuter after all that we've been through. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You, you know, if I was a comedian, I'd be the kind of comedian that'd be like, this is the beginning of the joke. And then I would tell a joke and they'd be like, that was the end of the joke. And I'm just desperately hoping someone. Anyway, timing. It's good for people who have it. Uh, yeah. This is, these are all songs that are not really recorded anywhere. Um, so I don't know why I said that, because that was a useless banter. 
You know the date on the oldest coin in your palm. I know the name of the flowers along the back wall. But I get afraid one of us is bluffing the blooms. They will fade and the change will amount to nothing. Nothing at all. And the laundromat's funny at three in the morning. The blonde on TV says, I too can be gorgeous and hairless. It's easy with laser assistance. I wish you would push me around in the bins, but we're talking serious. While the colors bleed, while the colors bleed, while the colors you know the full weight of every wager you've lost. <laughs> I know for certain that certainty comes at a cost. But I get afraid of what I can't define, so I tally affections like nickels and dimes in your palm like your palm and my palm. And my parents met in a laundromat parking lot. I almost tell you that the nothing not to. We focus on pulling our lights from our darknesses. We separate even though we've got sparks. We separate even though we've got sparks. Because our colors bleed. Our colors bleed, our colors bleed, our colors bleed, our colors bleed. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I was thinking during Alex's set about, um, well, I was thinking about there's an exhibit at the Getty right now that I haven't been to, but I heard about. Um, with these Buddhist caves, Western China, these beautiful ornate caves that have been carved. And I guess in the in recently, in the 20th century, you know, reflectively recently, ref relatively recently, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, they like pushed open a false wall and they found like all of these scrolls and books and all these different languages. And the oldest piece of, by the way, advertisement, the oldest book that's ever been printed is at the Getty right now. Everyone should go. I'm trying to go tomorrow. Um, but I was thinking about that and how there are sort of these secret enclaves in the world that are full of incredible knowledge and art and thinking, and it's, it's transmitted, but it's not yet there for anyone. And I was thinking about this room and how you have all these, these songwriters who have, I don't know, there's something very special about this space, and in this way, it's existing only unto itself, even though it's being recorded um, as kind of a secret enclave of thought and chords and shit. Um, and that's dope. Uh, this is a song called Icebergs. Um,
icebergs I was holding you tight till I slipped into sleep and an icebergs a mountain that gives way with heat and the sun is coming up fast so I'd better be getting back but I'm watching it grain by grain the draining of time with our faces arranged in parallel lines and by now I'm no stranger to your gravity every kiss is a skydive with you underneath and the ground is coming up fast is coming up fast and the ground is coming up fast and I brace myself for impact and I'll give you a secret to toss or to keep I am no good at falling asleep, but when I do, it's a dream waking up next to you. And I'm watching it vein by vein, the shapes of our spines and the bundles of nerves with which we are aligned. Every pleasure and hurt, just a point on the map makes me long for the days when the world was still flat but the edge was coming up fast was coming up fast oh the edge was coming up fast can you miss what you got past yeah thank you thanks okay so play three all right um i know i said that i wasn't gonna pander to people with perfect pitch but that felt a little excessive <laughs> so i'm gonna you have a tuner oh i would have to plug in oh but this can I use the snark? I've broken the head off so many snarks that I stopped buying them, um, which is a really reassuring thing to say right before you borrow somebody's snark. <laughs> what am I going to play? What was I going to play? I know what I'm going to play. All right. Welcome, Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> it's about to get rowdy in here. Ha, ha, ha.
Rowdy brought Cheez-Its. Wow. He knows how to party. Wait, what? Oh, my God. That's as good as it's going to get right now. If it wasn't good enough, they wouldn't call it the minimum. Um. There's a song called He. It's going to play softer than that. He don't make love in bed, but in the market round the corner. Beneath the Virgin Mary and the neon lit Corona. I'll send regrets instead, and he tells me I'm a mourner. Says, how am I supposed to love you if you think I'm trying to own Flying high by strip malls, singing asphalt incantations. Father, if I've sinned, then I would sin again. If I may bring forth from his lips another tender exaltation. Ha, ha. artist and a businessman he's finally doing well he tells me never have a thought you can't learn to sell it i know baby's gotta eat it ain't cheap you need a place to dwell i pretend he isn't changing he pretends i cannot tell now Hollywood's a place just like he'd said it always should be. I'm barefoot on the roof while ashes raining in the valley. I haven't slept in days and we haven't talked in weeks. But I know he's playing with the lighter watching fire on TV. Now I'm swimming in exhaust, sitting on the 405, waiting for some dream to wake up fully realized. I wouldn't call it lost, but you can call it what you like, cause with every dying breath I find another on the rise.
if I'll do one more. Uh, I guess I should put the capo in the same spot. I might even tune again. How, um, what a luxury. Also, yeah, you're filming, huh, Mackin? Yeah, it's fine. It's just, with the Satan thing, this is what makes me think about how people run for public office and then other people are hired to go and try and find things about them. So I'm never going to be a viable political figure, thanks to you entirely, but... Uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Wow! But his, but the feeling, you know. <laughs> That's true. The Bible is is keeping the bad vibes out of the. This is a song I'm going to release whenever it's done. Yeah, and Alex Rosenblum is actually has a production credit on there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this has been delightful, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. And I'm excited to hear Andrew songs, and then I'm excited to hear Mackin songs. It's just kind of a dreamy lineup. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Ah, oh my God. It's fine. It's fine. Tuning. It's the tuning. I can tell, but I can't. I feel powerless. You love the city when you're knee deep in confetti. One big hazy birthday party on a Sunday. I loved you plenty, like I tried to love the city, but my favorite's still the glittering from far away. Okay, okay, okay. I love the city like a homemade house. 
house of holies like a sidewalk shrine you only ever pass by and if some summer's eve the tremors bring us to our knees you'll say you saw it coming in our fault lines all right all right all right high is wearing off she's trying to get by without the rain and when i'm born aloft to somewhere green and soft i'll watch the wild fires from an airplane oh, i love you like a hillside up in flame Thank you guys. Oh, man. I know you guys are tired of listening to me, but <laughs> we're almost fucking home. Um, now I go to Oregon for uh, a bit, you know? Um, by the way, that was Rosie Tucker. She all you can find Rosie Tucker music. Find that shit. It's awesome. She has her record out. Um, she's putting out some music uh, coming up here soon, and uh, she's got some great videos and stuff too. So check her out. She also has an episode of this podcast. Check that out too. Anyways, next show, super last minute. I call a guy because there was a guy that canceled on me for a different show, and. He was like, call this guy uh, in Corvallis, Oregon. You know what I'm saying? I knew I had to go to Eugene, but I had a night off, and I was like, fuck it. We should go to Corvallis, you know? So there's this guy that's putting on a punk show <laughs> at this, like, DIY all-ages coffee shop thing, and um, there's a <laughs> there's a punk band from South Korea playing and, like, a, surf, a local's, like, surf rock band, and me <laughs> with my acoustic guitar. Um, and so... We had no idea what to expect, and um, but I was stoked because I was like, "Oh man, like this is gonna be like we're gonna play to like a punk crowd, you know?" Because I've been playing to a lot of like, you know, middle-aged kind of like people that are you know have homes and such, like totally my crowd, you know what I'm saying? But you know, I, I had to kind of reserve certain parts of my personality that I wanted to play into more, and I was able to do that with uh with this punk crowd you know or i knew that i had the opportunity to so i was like this is gonna be fucking dope <laughs> you know um and i w i almost didn't do it because he said like, he's like we're not gonna be able to pay you um and it was like kind of far away and we could have had an extra night at my grandparents house but we were like fuck it dude punk rock like let's fucking do it you know and it ended up being the dopest show on the tour and it was just like hell motherfucking yeah dude like there were a couple times where you can like on the tour where we could like play it safe or like I don't know and but then you or you can make like the punk rock ballsy awesome decision and we made it and like it rewarded us like every time it was so sick you know it was it's cool to be able to be spontaneous like that so that's one of the joys of being an independent artist is we can do stuff like that anyways I brought a dress on the tour that I wanted to wear at this show and um, I was like fuck it like 
if there if there ever is a show on this tour that I'm gonna wear a dress, it's gonna be here. Um, and I haven't cross dressed much before. I've gone to a couple Rocky Horror Picture shows, um, one of which I wore uh, my girlfriend at the time's skirt, and uh, <laughs> I let her roommates do my makeup and stuff. And it was pretty fun. But you're not really in public. I mean, I went to Subway, and that was an interesting experience. But <laughs> you're in a room full of people that are. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show fans. If nobody's ever been, it's like this, like, you know, cr- very, like, sexual, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, like, the one of the songs in the movies is I'm a transvestite from Transylvania. It's just this, like, weird, obscure cult film from the 70s that they play all, they play all the time. They have, a, like, most uh, cities have, like, weekly showings of this film where they'll have people act it out in front of the screen of it playing and, like, it's interactive. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that was the only other time I cross-dressed. And I was like, I want to wear a dress. I, I, like, that sounds like something I want to do. Um, and I was, so it was interesting because, like, I wanted to wear the dress, but I didn't want to be like, I'm wearing a dress. Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? I was like, if I'm going to wear the dress, I'm going to, like, own it and not, like, be like, I don't care. You know? <laughs> so it was interesting because I had to do sound check and stuff and I, I had to like wait around and so I'm just like it's a tiny fucking coffee shop you know what I'm saying and so I'm like leaning over to do, and I'm in this little stupid dress um, <laughs> that I got at the Goodwill um, that does not fit me very well because I didn't try it on I was just like this is one you know anyways um, but it was like fucking liberating it was fun to just like just fucking wear the dress <laughs> you know what i'm saying and uh, i wasn't like playing a character i was just being myself i just thought it'd be fun to mix it up um but anyways uh the crowd was fucking uh, unreal i mean we're all sta- i mean it's like a tiny little pa that this guy had like probably brought from home you know and this guy justin that was setting up the show like put his heart and soul into it man like he set up this whole thing it's all donation based he isn't getting paid he's he's getting donation he's going around getting donations for the band from south korea like this guy's busting this ass to make something cool happen which like in la there's so much awesome shit happening and there's so many ungrateful fucking fans everywhere that are folding their arms and like what do you guys got for us <laughs> you know and i was in this really fucking awesome little town called corvallis and there were all these music fans that were so fucking stoked and so giving and so ready to have a good time and ready to have like a transcendent awesome musical experience and like so they were in this we we're all packed in this room They're, like i literally if i reached out with my arm i'd be touching the first person's face you know and there's maybe like 30 people crammed in this little room and then it kind of opens up into the like table area you know and uh I played like six or seven songs and they were just, they were just down, you know, they were laughing at my jokes. They were, when you, like you, singer songwriter music, like especially I do a lot of yelling and then I do a lot of like getting very quiet and it's extremely telling of how, like your relationship with the crowd, like whether or not you have them, but like when you get really soft, do they get soft with you, you know? And they did that night and that's like the greatest feeling ever, especially if you don't really have them at first and then throughout the course of the night you sort of win them and you're like, oh, and you get real quiet and they get real fucking quiet with you. It's just like, yes, you know? But these guys were just like in it from the top and I was like really nervous because this of all crowds was the crowd that I identify with the most. You know, if anybody listens to this podcast, I say punk rock all the time as just in place of the word cool. You know, I worship punk rock culture and um, so I was just like, fuck, I hope these cool kids think I'm cool. 
and uh, they were really they were really supportive, man. And they they came up and they bought CDs after. I I was giving them away for free, but they were like, take a dollar, and I was like, fuck yeah. Like, anyways, met some cool people and saw some good bands, man, and just like saw excited music fans, and I was just like, fuck yeah, it was super dope. Then I went to to Eugene for a few days and uh, stayed with my buddy uh, Jake. Like, fucking played a show at this, like, bar. Kind of a random show. This was, like, not as dope as the book show because people were just, like, turning their backs and drinking their beers. But there was, like, a pop punk band that I was opening for, and they were, like, on tour also, and we were both, like, unsigned, like, on tour, and, like, the guy at the bar had made a poster, and, like, I got a cool poster of with my name on it and this, like, cool picture on it, and, like... So it was, like, a cool show, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't think too many people were listening, but then this, like, this wonderful lady from the bar, she, like, bought me a beer. Um, and I was just like, oh, these people are so friendly, <laughs> you know? And I made friends with the band, like, you know, they gave we traded CDs and stuff like that, and, like, <coughs> I sold their T-shirts for them when they were on stage. Um, and it was cool, man. It was, it was cool to meet uh, people out there trying to do the same thing on the road, you know? Um, and then after that show, I was, uh, I had a show in, um, San Francisco. And so I had to go, um, I had to drive so much. (laughs) So we drove. So this is, I think like Thursday or something. We're in Eugene, you know what I'm saying? And then we go to San Francisco the next night and play at a, a microbrewery, um, down there and it's super fun this i had some friends from school there uh shout out remy wolf and um some homies that were there and it was super fucking fun you know um it was kind of a bigger room it was kind of a loud room it was more of a sports bar but still kind of like microbrewery and like cool feeling you know and not super broy or anything um but i was more in the corner and um it was a super fun show because Remy came up and uh, who is like a big, big, big friend of mine, <laughs> but uh, also like a close friend of my band, the Nova Darlings, you know, and um, like she's at pretty much at all of our rehearsals. And so we sang on the spot, just like sang a couple Nova Darling songs. Um, and so it was just like super fucking fun. We we're just having a good time because it was like mostly our friends in the like front of the crowd and then. And then this really fucking weird thing happened where these drunk people were like, play Violent Femmes. And I was like, I kind of half-assed played Blister in the Sun. And then they were like coming up on stage and saying, it was kind of fun and they were dancing. And and then they started like, just like shouting things for me to play at them. And it got really fucking weird. <laughs> and we were like, it was just so, because I was like, I kind of gave them like, I was like, oh yeah, come on, stay. it'll be real fun. Well, it's, you know, and then they were like, staying there and like being drunk and annoying and like i was like uh this is my job like (laughs) like i i'm gonna play i get paid to play my own songs you know (laughs) so weird like i should have just been like hey guys fuck off you know but i i couldn't i was like trying to be polite still but they were being so fucking rude anyways just another crazy adventure and then the next night i (laughs) i had a show booked in oregon again so we're back on the road for another fucking insane drive um so we go back up to oregon to a wonderful town called hood river and i was staying with my good friend noah tauscher man who's an awesome songwriter check out his shit i want to have him on this podcast 
Um, he goes to like this school called Frost in Miami, um, which is like it's very similar to my program. It's kind of like the equivalent of that program, but just like in Miami. And so we went to like uh, music camp together uh, long ago and um, made friends there. And like like I, I I've like we we became friends and like especially at music camp like it's like you're spending like intimate time with people you know so you you make like meaningful friendships and stuff like that but uh i guess i'm saying like setting up the fact that i didn't know him that well only to exaggerate how incredibly generous he was like i i reached out to him and he was like yo are you playing any oregon shows cuz he heard i was going to be on the road and he was like you should come play in my town, man. And like, you can stay with me. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so fucking nice. You know? So he sets up a show. He wanted to set up more shows, but at my bonky ass schedule, like we were only there for one night. Um, and so he, he set up a fucking super, super dope show at this like uh coffee kitchen place. And uh, like his whole family was there. All his friends were there. It was like a packed show. Like, was like got great tips you know what i'm saying people were really listening it was like it was amazing and then it's like whole family they like let us stay at their house like we we're eating snacks like they were so fucking accommodating and and people in the northwest are so nice i want to move to the northwest so bad and there are so many trees there i just fucking love it there everything was so beautiful and great and you forget when you're not around trees, the trees are your friends, and trees make your heart happy. Anyways, I was over-fucking-whelmed um, with the generosity of, of my friends and family. Like, I stayed at a friend's house in San Francisco, too, and, like, the person wasn't even there. They just, like, told me how to get into their house, <laughs> pretty much. And, like, I was just, like, so shocked that people are so nice. You know what I'm saying? I'm also young. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... I think like strangers are much more prone to like be generous like to like younger people, you know, cuz they're like, "Ah, oh, he's a kid, we'll give him a break." You know, so there's some people that like paid me more than they said that they were going to and just like a bunch of really nice stuff that happened on this tour. And it was great. And um yeah, so I played this show in Oregon, Noah's like they he was like, "Well, let's go on a hike and then you can play at this other place and like we had to go because we had another. We had that that day off that was going to be a day off. We, that was the rescheduled show back in Cambria in San Luis Obispo, like mid California area, and so we had to bounce. But like fucking Noah Tauscher, so incredibly nice and accommodating, and I was like blown away. And it was an amazing show and like an amazing time. And like his family and his dogs are incredible. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Derek and I just so much driving and my the air conditioning's broken in my car it was so hot um but we get down to cambria we're going we're going home that night um back to la because it's about three hours from cambria so the show started at ended at seven so we were gonna planning on going home that night it's the last leg of the tour we're spiritually depleted <laughs> you know we're tired uh, I would say our like our bodies are tired. My heart was pretty full from um, just all the all the amazing like people that we met. You know, it was super cool. Um, anyways, we play this last show. Uh, some people that we because this is Cambria where we had played the or that steakhouse. You know, earlier uh, ago in the story, and people that came to that show came to this show because it's a little small town. You know, and it was great. And it was like 
a perfect room. Like people could really hear and stuff like that. And I was carrying this sign with me that says, I have no friends. Um, cause I'm super funny and self-aware. Um, but like, cause you know, Mackin has no friends tour. I was like, it wouldn't be funny to have a sign on stage that says I have no friends. Um, but over the course of the tour, like, cause I had just had a Sharpie with me. And so I left it out by the sign. Not intentionally. I just like had all my stuff there. And over the course of the tour, the sign got like changed, you know? So like, I think at my friend Julie's house, like someone crossed out the no and wrote like, started a tally, <laughs> you know? It was awesome. And then this like, so this little girl like came up to me at the show at the microbrewery in Cambria and her whole family had like listened to the whole show and turns out I knew them and they knew people at USC, like some of the music professors and like they knew my old vocal coach from Laguna Beach, Stacy Pendleton. And like just ran, I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. And like the daughter like added a tally for every member of her family, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's up to like 12 or 13 now. And like it just the sign like organically develops with the tour. Um and it was just, it was really special, man. It was a, it was a great show. And, um, yeah, Aaron, that guy that owns that microbrew was like so nice and accommodating. And like, he's like, Hey, come back anytime, man. And, um, it was a, it was a really nice last show out of town. And, uh, there was going to be one more show, like, which is the show that you you've been listening to. And, um, so that was it, man. That was the fucking tour. It was a fucking thrill, man. That show in the apartment like came together pretty last minute, and uh, it was a really special night. It was like oh, so many of my favorite people in one room, and um, like I, I just it blows me away that some of my favorite people in the universe are also some of my favorite songwriters in the universe, and uh, that goes for like so many people in that room, <laughs> you know, and um, not just the people that played. You know, there was there were so many talented writers in that room. I was like stoked, you know. And it was just, like, super friendly. You know, sometimes you're in a room with a lot of writers and it's really hypercritical. But everyone was just there to, like, celebrate. And it was really it was really great. Um, because the show I had played right before I left town was at that house with, like, all my high school friends. And so, like, man, like, uh, I have a lot of really nice friends. I know that seems <laughs> like a really cheesy thing to say. Like, I called the tour, the Mackin Has No Friends tour, only to learn that I have friends you know that like like a forced lesson to learn or something but oh man as someone who's very good at hating themselves and feeling isolated and alone uh as someone who basks in those feelings a lot it's it's just i mean i can't deny i have so many really really great friends and uh, this podcast even i've made just cool friends just talking to cool people so as hokey as this is right now i just i just love everybody so much you know in this this tour would not have happened, um, which is one of the coolest experiences in my whole life. Um, it would not have happened without uh, just the generosity and kindness of uh, so many great people that I know and that I met. Um, so, fuck yeah, everybody. Um, here's my set from uh, from the show on uh, at, the, at the apartment. So... Thanks for listening, everybody. If you made it through this one, this one was a long one, but uh, I wanted to kind of get these thoughts out um, just to let people know that we're interested and also just as a little a little document for me. Uh, it's not as fresh in my mind. I'm, I meant to, um, to record this right afterwards, but it got away from me. Anyways, 
it was a great fucking time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if you're thinking about doing a thing, do it. <laughs> you know, because the tour wasn't perfect. Let me tell you, I learned a lot about booking a tour. Um, but if you wait for shit to be perfect, like you're never gonna do anything. <laughs> you know, if I had waited to get the perfect tour schedule, I never would have gone on tour. You know, I did it so last minute. Um, but I did it, and I'm gonna. I can't wait to do it again, and I'll. <laughs> I'll organize it a little bit better, but, um, I mean, that's how you learn shit. You do shit. So anyways, make stuff friends. It's very fun. Um, anyways, here's my set from, uh, from the show. So thanks for listening to this podcast, everybody. I love you so much. How's it going? Thanks everybody for coming. This is a dream. All my favorite people in one room. I love all you guys. I wrote this song today. I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, fucking punk rock, you know? It was a song that I improvised at a, at a set at Tommy's place. This is the lesbian one. This song is called All the Coolest Girls Are Lesbians, but I, I need you guys to help me. So it goes, all the coolest girls are lesbians. And then you guys go, all the girls, all the girls, all the girls. All the
Uh, thanks everybody for playing. Alex was so fucking good. Rosie's so good, and Andrew's so good. There's a lot of awesome people in this room, so thanks for hanging out. I just got back from a crazy tour. This is the 13th show in 15 days. Put 4,000 miles on my Toyota. I met a lot of cool people. Stayed with my grandparents. I peed in my car all over the floor. It was a mess. I like peed into a bottle and then the bottle spilled. It was crazy. It was crazy. Well, I had to drive a thousand miles from Santa Barbara to Seattle in one night because I booked a show in Santa Barbara and then the next show was in Seattle. So I booked it all myself through email. And then it was like the 13th hour and I was like, I gotta save time. Anyways, it was crazy. I met a guy that uh, does Rubik's Cubes and balances guitars on his nose at the same time. I met a lot of cool people. I opened up for a South Korean punk band and I was wearing a dress and I, sorry, I was wearing a dress. There's a video on YouTube. And the funniest part of that whole situation is that I went home and my mom did all my laundry. And she was like, is this a dress? <laughs> like as she was doing all my laundry. But that's not the funniest part. I was like, yeah, and she goes, it's a little small for you. And that was my favorite part of that. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, I'm gonna play some songs for you guys, so thanks for hanging out. This song's called Green Beans and Washing Machines. Two cups of coffee, half of a cigarette, a self-help book on the floor. I remember conversations, or maybe they were dreams. I can't really tell anymore. I should go on a run. I should have some vegetables. Try and wash the wine out of my shirt. Because there's not enough pornography. There's not enough talk radio to make me forget who you were. I'm going back to sleep. I'm counting on my lungs to breathe while I'm not watching. Your hair is still in my sheets. It's cold and I am missing you. Oh. I'm getting through the nights. Listening to 60s pop songs. Yeah, I'm getting through the nights. Trying to get myself to put new socks on. Yeah, I'm getting through the nights. I'm watching foreign films over again. I'm getting through the nights. I'm watching my breath and I'm counting to 10. One. Still half asleep, I'm washing out my sheets and both of my pillowcases. The washing machine is warm and I am missing you. Oh, I am missing you. I am missing you. everybody. I appreciate it. You guys are all great. This is a song called Morning Person. I haven't really played it for anybody yet. Oh, 
I'm not a morning person. The morning's always been too lonely. Lonely for me. And I dream of kissing angels and all the lies I've ever told. And I wake up empty. Cause I know just what I'm missing and how I come up short. And I'm not a people person, I'm far too jealous and attached to have good friendships. And every conversation, I'm really asking, do you think I deserve this? This great loneliness I come to know so well. What have I done to bring this on myself? Do questions help? Or should I just get used to it? I just get used to it. This great loneliness I've come to know so well. And I'm not an evening person. I spend the evenings missing someone, but no one specific. So I spend the nights with shovels, digging little holes so I can fill them and ignore the big ones, like this great loneliness I've come to know so well. What have I done? To bring this on myself, do questions help? Or should I just get used to it? I just get used to it. Oh, this great loneliness I've come to know so well. So I played a show in Seattle, and my grandparents were there. My grandma is from uh, Texas. She's my step-grandma, but she functions as my grandma. And she's a sweetheart. And uh, after the show, she, like, very honestly, very genuinely was like, Mac, and some of your songs were so sad. Are you sad? <laughs> yes, Grandma. Every waking moment is pain. <laughs> it was so sweet. Anyways, this song's called Spirit Animal, and it started with a tweet. I'm talking to myself, I wonder if it helps, or do I just look crazy? I say I have to pee. 
But I just need to be alone because I get anxious. But I want to be punk rock. Just want to be a man. Yeah, I want to be punk rock. But my spirit animal is a sweaty, heartbroken kid at the middle school dance, just trying his best. of white wine and put on James Taylor. I'm chopping carrots up, wondering why I'm tearing up at some movie trailer. I just want to be punk rock. Just want to be a man. Yeah, I want to be punk rock. But my spirit animal is a 40-year-old divorced white woman who's just trying her best. Well, I'll try and change it. I'll kiss a stranger and I'll just be somebody else. I'll wear new clothing and I'll start smoking and I'll turn my back on Somebody always gets hurt And I am left with thoughts and emptiness I'm left with my thoughts I just want to be punk rock Just want to be a man Yeah, I want to be punk rock But my spirit animal is a Self-righteous, try-hard, sentimental folk singer Just trying his best Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming. I love everyone so much. I'm so drunk right now. I've never been this drunk ever. No, but I've never been this drunk playing a show ever. Anyways, so like, fucking everyone is so great. Thanks for coming, everybody. I hope y'all, I hope y'all have a good night. Thanks for making my life better. This song is called, uh, this song is called Two People from a Christian Group. Afternoon and I was angry, trying very hard to be alone. I spent my last three bucks on coffee and I put on my headphones without the music because I didn't want to talk to anyone. It's been a long few days, few weeks, few months. One more show and I swear that I'm done. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw two people, this chubby guy and this lanky girl. 
And they were walking straight towards me in their Birkenstocks and matching blue t-shirts. And I swear to God, if they ask me for a donation, I might scream. It's been a long few days, few weeks, few months, and I don't care how callous I seem. Well, they asked me for my name, and I said Mackin. And they said, hi, Mackin. We are from a Christian group. Oh, did you turn the, the last switch on the left on? There you go. That controls the outlet that has all the power on it. They asked me for my name, and I said Mackin. And they said, hi, Mackin. We're from a Christian group, and we'd like to pray for you today, if that's all right. And I would have loved to have started a debate because it's very fun to feel like you're correct. But the cynic deep inside of me, well, he had no energy left. So I just sat there as they said to me, if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask him for? sat there crying what a simple question I wish I had an answer maybe I'll pray for my sister I hope that she stays sober maybe I'll pray for my mother I think she needs a friend right now maybe I'll pray for my friend Robin she just had a kid and the dad walked out maybe I'll pray for the sick or the homeless or maybe I'll pray for the hungry or the kids without enough medicine oh if you could ask God for one thing what would you ask him for Sarah said a few prayers they shook my hand and walked away I sat there watching the squirrels for a while I wish I had something to say when they had asked me because they didn't ask for anything else it's been a long few days few weeks few months there was no pamphlet, no donation, just two people trying to help. It's been a long few days, few weeks, few months. It's been a long few days, few weeks, few months, few years. This is not a story about how I found Jesus Christ. No, this is just a story about some people, some people who were very nice. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out. You guys are all great. Let's all have some more beers.